Would you or anyone you know be interested in the best of what we've learned from over 350 expert interviews? Business expert interviews just like this one you're about to listen to. Plus, I'll share what we discovered spending $50,000 to go through over 100 years of business success research. Thousands of evidence-based scientific studies on what really works. Visit bestbusinesscoach.ca for more info on how, in 90 days or less, you can get eight better business habits or get three times your money back. That's 90 days to eight types of better business, fitness, and mindset habits. These will determine who survives and thrives in these unusual times and who doesn't. Visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. You'll discover our new business coaching and accountability program for business, fitness, and mindset all in one. You'll also learn how you can get over $11,336 in free bonuses for only $1. Go to bestbusinesscoach.ca for more info. That's bestbusinesscoach.ca, like Canada or California. See you there. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always, and today we are joined by split testing expert Mason Pastro. Mason worked with CRO agencies for large e-com brands such as Gordon Ramsay's Cookware. He also teaches the principles of split testing to others for free at splittestexpert.com and coaches on how to do this as a service. While most people obsess over how to get more traffic, I've personally seen campaigns get hundreds of thousands of impressions and a conversion rate of zero. Zero times a million still equals zero. So conversion is what really matters most. That's why I've asked Mason to join us here today and share some of the key principles of doing more with less and how we can constantly improve our efforts. So Mason, thank you for joining us, my friend. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. That was quite the intro. Yeah, that's right. That's awesome. There you go. Bill's in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> So before we hop into the split tests and all this, how did you even get started? Do you come from a family of entrepreneurs? How did you even get into marketing and sales and business? Yeah, wow, what a journey. It's so to answer your first question, do I come from a family of entrepreneurs? My, my grandpa, who lives in Canada, ran a barn. So I guess you consider him an entrepreneur. My dad's a chiropractor. I guess you could consider him an entrepreneur. He runs his own business. But... Really, I got started, I was 18 years old, just about to graduate high school and everyone's like knowing where they want to go to college, what they want to do with their career. And I didn't know what I wanted to do, man. I got hit with one of those YouTube ads. There's this dude's like waving at me. He's like, make money online from home, never have to work a nine to five. I'm like, this seems sweet. And I clicked it. I ended up buying a course. It was a course called Dropship Lifestyle. So my first online business was a drop shipping business. I drop shipped bathroom vanities. That's when I was 18. I'm 25 now. So that was my first taste of online business and e-commerce. So I've been in e-commerce ever since. Okay. And so what were some of your biggest challenges? Like you just, you, you mm -hmm. did this course and you learned some magic bullet trick and money just started flying out of your computer. You're like, I'm balling. And you know, like, what is that? Is that how it went? Yeah, I really did think I was bald, but uh, that's really not how it went, man. What, what happened was, is I followed everything in the course, okay? I was selling these bathroom vanities, running Google ads. I had no idea what I was doing. This was like back in 2015 when you could, like, no one was yeah, really- Yeah, that still worked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, they still work now, but yeah. <laughs> then you, 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 yeah, you didn't have to be good. You just had to do it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 
Right. I think the biggest challenge though, for me in the beginning was that transition of mindset from, okay, I work for a certain amount of time and I get a paycheck. But when I first started this business, I was like building the store for like three or four months and working, 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 you're not seeing any money. So that transition of mindset was probably the biggest first hurdle for me. Then the second mm-hmm. thing was I thought revenue meant profit. So I'm like, okay, my store made $10,000 this month. I'm rich as hell. I didn't know anything about profit and loss. I really didn't like subtract expenses or anything. I'm like 18 year old kid, like young and ignorant. And uh, I'm like, cool, time to buy a new gaming laptop for $2,500. Right. I'm only going to make more money. (laughs) Right, right. Next thing I know, I got no more money left. I can't run ads. So that was that first run around with online business. I thought it was the bee's knees. So what would you do differently if you could go back in time and coach yourself? I, I would, I would tell myself, can I swear on here? Or no? Are you? Are you? Okay. Okay. I would tell myself to get my head out of my ass, man, because I really thought I was a big shot. I was like, man, all my friends are going to college. I'm rich, dude. I just made 10 grand online. The reality was I made $200 probably profit. So that'd be number one, like get your head out of your ass. You're still learning. You're not as cool as you think you are you don't need a brand new gaming laptop there's like you can't live off this yet dude you only made 200 bucks let's be realistic here yeah and yeah that would be the biggest thing i tell myself that that's so cool i believe that in our research some of our listeners know that we've spent a lot of money going through um, you know, the research behind business success, two things that came up under money management, which is one of our eight critical success factors is low capital investment slash lean operations, which is partner is called capacity utilization, which means like using everything you've got, not having a bunch of stuff in the closet. It's kind of what you're talking about. Like, you know, you were making all this money. It was lean, but you didn't realize it. So it sounds like you spent, you spent your cash flow. It should have been your ad budget from before. Right. So, right. What happened next? You you had this. What happened with the business? Did you end up walking away from it? You sell it? You... Yeah. So I actually ended up selling it to some dude. They didn't even like people didn't even like, you know how every program now has a Facebook group, join my Facebook group. This program had like an online business forum. So I sold it to this dude in the online business forum. And I actually met this kid on Instagram. I think he had Instagram bot followed me. And I started looking at his content and he has an e-com store and he's doing like $900 a month or sorry, not a month, a day. And I'm like, whoa, like I want to learn from this kid. And we became buddies. I'm living in New Hampshire this time, still in my mom's basement. Thought I had made it, spent all the money, blew it, sold the business for like two grand, met this kid on Instagram, became buddies. And, and he's like traveling Europe making 900 bucks a a day i'm like yo what does this kid know that i don't know so i wanted i remember (laughs) i emailed this kid i was like hey can you mentor me and he was super nice about it he was emailing me back and forth we had become friends playing video games and i was like dude i want to get out of new hampshire i will literally sleep in your closet at your apartment like i just want to get around you and your friends and that mindset because i'm sick of living my mom's basement all my friends are like smoking weed doing nothing with their lives and i want to learn how to make real real money online so that's kind of what happened next 
And I could go on the whole story. I don't know how far you want me to go. It's been like crazy journey, dude. Crazy. Up to you. I want to know kind of what the milestones were. It sounds like there were lessons that you learned. If you could just talk about yeah. those. Like, it mm. sounds like at this point you recognize that you needed coaching and mentorship. Right. right? I mean, that's right. how all of us learn how to tie our shoes, ride a bike. So you sought someone out. Mm-hmm. And again, what it was just pure success after that? No, no, no. <laughs> so he actually did end up saying, yes, you can live with me. And he flew up to New Hampshire and the plan was we we're going to drive my crappy 2000 Honda Civic down to Florida for me to move in with them. Now, at this time, I had my first store. I went to one community college class for business and I dropped out because I was running my store. I thought I was the shit. I was like, I don't need this community college business class, whatever. So he flies up to New Hampshire. We drove down to Florida and I ended up moving in with him. And I only had three grand to my name. Like two of that, two of that three grand was from selling my store and then just like some savings with no real plan, no job lined up. I was just like, I'm going to make this work kind of like burn the boats mentality. So I move in with him and he introduced me to his friend who owns a Shopify app company. It's called smart apps. Mm. And this dude, this dude was big bucks. At least what I perceived at the time. Still like big bucks, really good dude. And he had just done a promotion with Ty Lopez, like one of the first e-com drop shipping courses like ever in the market. This, mm-hmm. this is like 2015. I can't remember the name of it, dude, because I know you know Ty. I'm trying to remember the name of the course, but he made millions off that. So I'm like, cool. I'm living with this dude. He's friends with this guy who's actually making real, real money online. And so this this kid Lucas I lived with, he's he introduced me to this guy who's making the real real money. His name's Devin. And we get lunch together, whatever, whatever. I ended up hitting him Devin. I'm like, hey, dude, like, can I work for you? Like, as an intern, whatever. Like, I need obviously I didn't make money, but can I work for you? Like, I want to learn from you. And he ended up giving me a job. Now there's some stuff that happened in between there where like, I, yes, I got a job like trying to sell direct TV at Walmart, but I quit it like two days in. Cause I just, I just believed that it was going to work out. And then Devin offered me this job. And then I learned so much from that dude. So, so much. It was literally just me and him in his office every single day. Mm. Like majority of his team was completely remote. So mm. I was just like hungry and willing to learn. And yep. He had a Shopify app company, but he also sold Shopify info products, teaching people how to start their own e-com business. So I was kind of like a coach in the Facebook group because I had already, I guess, had some success with my e-com business, even though it wasn't anything crazy. It's right. like he was ahead of someone just starting their business. Right. So that's what I did, man. I did that for like probably six months. I was getting paid like probably, I'm probably, I'm not going to talk which I was getting paid, but it was like a paid internship basically. Right. You know what I mean? Which I was fine with because I was like, yeah. yeah, I just wanted to learn, dude. So I did that for a bit and we ended up becoming really good friends. And he was like, hey, dude, like I have all these students. They're all, they all want to learn how to make money online with Shopify drop shipping. I think we should upsell them done for you Shopify store design as like a backend upsell. I was like, okay. And I remember we're at, 
we're at a coffee shop. We would always work from this coffee shop here in St. Pete and just like get coffee, whatever, whatever. And I was like working to get our first Shopify store design client. I was talking to this dude. I think I called him through Facebook Messenger and he ended up paying me like $150 to my Venmo, <laughs> this, this Shopify store. And that was the start of our new company, me and Devin together. So I'd gone from like being this dude's pretty much apprentice, like a paid internship to now he wants to actually start this business with me where I get equity in the business. I was like, this is crazy. This was all in the span of a year because a year prior, I was literally just living my mom's basement. Yeah. So I was like, this is crazy. dude. This is crazy. So in between that time, there's a few pieces of the story I left out. Which are important because there was, so that kid, Lucas, that I first moved in with, he, he only let me live with him for like two months. He was like, yeah, you can live with me for 300 bucks a month. He hooked it up. But then he's like, dude, I'm out of here. I'm going to travel Europe again. I was like, okay, where the hell do I live? Right. These sequences of events just kept unfolding where it it was so weird, man. It's like, I made a decision, like I'm going to make it in this online game. And then these events lined up. And the universe almost conspired to help me out because Lucas mm-hmm. is like, I'm dipping out. I, I had no idea where I was going to live. Luckily, I had the job with Devin at the time. And so I go down to the pool. I'm stressed out. I'm like, I don't know where I'm going to live. I'm listening to The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle because I'm like, all I can do is focus on being present right now. <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, I don't know where I'm going to live. I don't have enough money to like pay for an apartment myself. And I end up meeting this kid who just, Come from Saudi Arabia to study English at University of Tampa. He's like, me and my brother are looking for a roommate. Mm. So these things started to line up. It was crazy. I was like, okay, I come down to Florida, no, no plan of a job, perfect job lines up, like dream job. I get to learn from a CEO of like a big software company. And then my roommate's like, hey, just kidding. You can't live with me anymore. I'm traveling Europe. Oh man, another roadblock. And then boom, in comes this kid from Saudi Arabia. He's like, hey, dude, you can live with us. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so these things just started to work out. And then, and then fast forward to where I was just talking about where Devin and came to me and he's like, let's start this Shopify store design agency. We closed our first deal and this is where my skills started stacking. Right. Cause I had like the skill of, okay, I could build a Shopify store, maybe make a couple hundred bucks profit with an online store, nothing super crazy. But now I started learning the skill of high ticket sales and closing because this this $150 payment for store design turned into, and then we started selling for 500 bucks and then it became a thousand bucks and became 5,000 bucks. And I was doing all the sales and closing for mm-hmm. our Shopify store design agency. And within a matter of months, we were up to like making $30,000 a month, mm-hmm. which was nuts for me, dude. I had like a third of the company. Yeah. I was like, this is crazy. This was all within a year. I was like, I just I was just living in my mom's basement met this kid on Instagram, moved in with him, met his buddy, started working with his buddy. His buddy's like, let's be business partners. I'm like, this is crazy. So yeah, man, it's just so crazy looking back. But what happened next was Devin was like, let's move to Austin, Texas. That's where all the tech startups are. I was like, okay, cool. So I'm just hungry, man. I'm like, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I'm like, cool. Yeah. I just moved to Florida, like literally six months ago, but sure. Let's move to Austin, Texas. Screw it. We moved to Austin, Texas, and that's when, yeah, our, our Shopify store design agency was like doing 30K a month, but we, like the management was a mess. We had probably like 20 to 25 virtual assistants. 
and we were doing like 30K a month, but same story with the previous business, 28K in expenses. We got like two grand profit a month split between three business partners. We're pretty much broke. But again, this goes back to the delusion where I'm thinking of rich as hell. Like my business is making $30,000 a month. Yeah. I'm not paying myself anything because there's really no profit left. Yeah. That was a hard lesson to learn. And yeah, my ego was just so big at that time, man. I remember like going on a date with this girl at Tinder. She's like, you just think you're so much better than us because you dropped out of college and you think you're making all this money. And I really did think I was making a lot of money, but it really was money. No, it goes so fast. It goes so fast. I remember I once I had a hundred K in my bank cash and it just, it goes fast, man. You're not, it's not even like you're going out trying to spend it. Like it just, it's like once you start accumulating stuff, the tax man, relatives, mm-hmm. emergencies, all these valid reasons start cropping up and why you gotta, you know, why that, uh, it's like if you had a pile of watermelon in your front yard, like some of it's going to rot. You know, you're going to have all these bugs and insects come along. People are going to be walking by like, hey, man, what's up with all the watermelon? Can I just, can you just give me some? Like, you got so much. I got none, you know, but you, you know, it's a funny thing. That's why I always say, I want, I want to be rich. I don't want the fame. Forget the fame. I don't want the fame. I, I want to be the unknown guy, the back of the room, you yeah. know, driving, driving a 10 year old beat up pickup truck that still works, you know. I remember the first day I got a check for $25,000. It was a commission off of a campaign that I'd been running. I was doing very, very, very well. And I just remember I went down to Wells Fargo. I was living in San Diego time. I cashed it. I went, I bought, I went to Jumbo Juice. I got a smoothie. I bought a $25 pair of shoes. I bought a $10 hat. And like, I just, it was, my life didn't change. I just went back to my normal day routine. Like nothing about my life changed. And, but at the time I thought everything was going to change when I started getting paid. The only thing that disappeared was anxiety about the end of the month. That was the only thing that changed, right? Anxiety about paying my bills, anxiety about what if an emergency, what if my car breaks down, that anxiety disappeared, but nothing else changed in my life, you know? And I mean, we're not talking millions. Maybe things do change when you're making millions and millions. I've helped people do millions. I haven't made millions myself or myself yet, but I'm, I'm working on it. I'm getting there. But yeah, it's funny because again, when you come from nothing, you start making something, like you said, you're like, man, this is fantastic. But then you start realizing IRS, taxes, you know, run rate, fact that you got to try to have some sort of nest egg because things you'll have good months and bad, right? That even especially in a new business, not recognizing that there might be seasonality to it, that there's some months where sales will naturally be higher and some months where sales may be non-existent. You know, even if you're banking that full 30K, that 30K can go real... You got a team of people, you're paying, you're paying two, three, eight, even if you got VAs around the world, you know, it just disappears so fast, so fast. I I don't know where I heard it, but I thought it was a good analogy. Like money is to a business what jet fuel is to an airplane. Like having a lot of it doesn't necessarily mean more much other than maybe you can drive a little faster. Maybe you can fly a little further. But it's like that. And that's why they say cash is king. Because when you run out, you got no fuel. You can't buy, pay the tools, pay for the tools you need. You can't pay the people for the work. So it's like that. But in and of itself, it's not a guarantee you're going to make it to your destination safely. Right? Mm-hmm. Like there's, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah. So, yeah, what, so, start this company. You're doing the designs. 
Now you're, you've gotten to split testing. I'm assuming, and forgive me if I'm, if I'm leading you, but I, I'm assuming you're building all these stores for people. And at some point they're like, Hey, I need more sales. I need traffic, but I need more sales. Is that, is that true? Is that part of how well, you got split testing or what? Well, we actually, it's funny because I actually didn't do any formal split tests back then, but I taught some very, very basic conversion rate optimization principles to the students. And then when I would pitch the store design, I would pitch it as an increase in conversion. Like I would literally mm. share my screen and be like, Hey, look at your conversion rate. I'd explain what conversion rate it is. I was like, conversion rate is the rate at which visitors convert into buyers. Okay. You're spending all this money on your traffic. You can be making yep. much more money with your store. Here's yep. the solution. We're going to redesign your store. That's, that's what I thought the genuine solution was back then. I didn't understand looking at actual data and running these split tests. So what ended up happening is that that business kind of fell apart. And I started another one where I ran, I built direct response marketing funnels for e-commerce brands. So it built funnels mm. for e-commerce brands. Okay. I did that for a year. And that was my first business that actually took off as being the sole owner. There was no partners there. I brought that to six figures. And then... Can you and describe then I met, what... Sorry to interrupt. Can you describe what's direct well, response marketing? How is it different than other marketing? Yeah, direct response is so. If you think about like a brand like like Coca Cola, for example, right? All of their marketing is is brand based. Direct response is more like here's a specific offer for a very specific type of person. Get this offer now. So instead of just like running an ad like Coca Cola is the best, it's the best soda out there. You know what I mean? It'd be like, it'd be like for two ninety nine, you can try this new soda to the market, and um, it's usually more targeted at a very specific type of customer avatar. Right. So that's more. That's my take on direct response. Maybe you have different thoughts because I, I just it's measurable. It. That's really it. it right. That's the thing. It's measurable. That's the beautiful thing about it. I don't remember who said it, but famous guy in the past said, you know, half my marketing budget is wasted. The problem is I don't know which half. And that's talking about right. these branding, like when you pay and sponsor an event to put your logo on the banner, say there's a marathon and you're a sponsor and they put the logo on there. Nobody gives, I, I, I had a book on Amazon and hit number one on Amazon for the top 100 marketing and sales at one point. And in it, I talk about the food court test. So we're talking about marketing here. Food court test is if you stood up on a table at the food court, busy food court, busy mall, and you scream out Baskin and Robbins, <laughs> that's brand marketing. Everyone's going to stop and look at you and be like, okay. And they're just going to keep walking. But direct response would be getting up on the table and screaming free ice cream. <laughs> Everybody comes over and they come and go, Hey, here we got five flavors. Which one do you want your free sample of? By the way, if you want some, it's, $2 for, you know, whatever, $2 a scoop or get three for five bucks, which flavor is the best for you. And you can measure that. You can say, Hey, we went to 10 food courts. We offered free ice cream at 10 of them. And then this was our offer after people got to try it out, you know, and you just, that's the, it's, you know, that's really it. I'm a talker and I'm, I like I'm that analogy, dude. Yeah. I'm done with that analogy. I love that. So difference is we don't have budgets. Most people don't have the big budgets. You just spend it for brand awareness and brainwash people with photos of puppies and, and white picket fence houses. So you associate your product with puppies and a white pick. Like you just don't have the time to try to brainwash and indoctrinate people like that. 
So branding is typically a, like a side effect of just putting a great offer out into the marketplace. I love that analogy. All right. So you're doing direct response for people. Yeah. And something so you started. I thought it was relevant. I'm going to shut up and say, I just thought it was relevant because you're like, this is the first business that I started myself that I grew to six figures with success successful. And I was like, hmm, direct response marketing. And you suddenly start doing things that are, wow, you started measuring what was working, taking a scientific approach. And you started getting success. That's so fascinating. Anyway, sorry, keep going. Yeah, yeah. So it's funny because e-com is called e-com funnel builds. It was just a done for you service. I would build direct response marketing funnels for e-commerce brands. So I did that for a year. And so really my, my whole perspective of conversion rate optimization just like shifted slowly over time. First, it was like, okay, I'm selling people store design and I'm saying, hey, if I rebuild your whole Shopify store, you'll see an increase in conversion rate. Well, I quickly learned that that's usually not the solution. So then I move into building mm -hmm. funnels. I'm like, hey, I'll take, you know, your existing best-selling products and I'll make a direct response funnel where it's not just like you're pushing traffic to your homepage or whatever. It's like, here's your best-selling product. Let's build more of an offer around it. Maybe it's like buy two, get one free. Also throw in some free eBooks, whatever, whatever. And that's what I thought conversion rate optimization was, which is really just reworking someone's offer and writing killer copy and like page structure. And then I also, and then I learned I met this dude in a Facebook group. I went in this Facebook group and I was like, hey guys, I am a conversion rate optimization specialist for e-commerce brands. And this guy's like, oh, no way. I also do conversion rate optimization. So he messages me and I tell him what I do. I'm like, yeah, I build funnels for e-commerce brands. It's conversion rate optimization. He's like, that's not really what I see conversion rate optimization as. And he tells me about split testing. And what he taught me completely changed the game for me because here I am basically a glorified freelancer building these marketing funnels. I would sell a client. It'd take me like anywhere from 15 to 20 hours myself to build the funnel. And I had the growing pains of every entrepreneur of like, I don't want to hire because I'm a control freak. No one else can do what I do. So this dude comes to me. He's like, hey, I, you know, we service the same clients. I also work on e-commerce clients, but they pay me a monthly retainer to increase their conversion rate. I'm like, well, how do you increase your conversion rate? Do you build them a new funnel? Do you build them a new store? Like, what does it look like? He's like, no, I do split testing. So instead of rebuilding an entire page or entire store like you're doing, I change one element at a time incrementally and measure the increase in revenue generated between the change. So it was like, he was like, you're building an entire marketing funnel for an e-commerce brand. I'm changing one headline. We're both essentially getting the same result, but my work took a fraction of the time it takes you. I'm changing like a few words in a headline or changing a button color and they're still getting the same results, if not sometimes better results than if they were to build a whole entire new funnel. Depends yep. on the use case, right? Yep. But now that's huge. Oh, For so people that don't know, copywriting, just changing a headline. That's mm -hmm. a huge part of it. Just changing a headline. If you think of classified ads, Changing the headline on a classified ad can double, triple readership. We, when you and I talked before agreeing to do this interview, Mason, I told you part of why I was interested is I've had clients where I've doubled sales for them just by split testing headlines on their offer page. Just a standard, whatever, a contractor, just a bread and butter business, but their website just sucks and you you just test a better headline and they're they're not sending, they, they got the same number of site visitors they had before, the product's the same price. But because it's somehow communicating better, twice as many people are signing up. 
which then doubles everything else down the right. If they if they have a back end offer, it's say ten percent of people that buy the first thing buy another thing. You double the number of people buying the first thing, right? You're also doubling the number of sales they're going to get on that second thing. Yeah, dude, it's so crazy. Like split testing in itself is so nuts. I remember I had someone like ask me like Mason, is this illegal? Like, because literally. Some of the tests we've ran is like, I literally changed one word on a button. Instead of it saying buy now, it says shop now. And now this brand's making an extra ten dollars to $15,000 a month by changing one word. It's insane. And then you can go so, so much deeper. But these small things no one thinks about because everyone's focused on how do I get new ad creative? How do I, you know, change my targeting on Facebook, increase my budget. How do I scale my Facebook ads, Facebook ads? Yep, so they yep. completely neglect what happens in the next logical step in the funnel when someone clicks your ad. What happens on the actual landing page of the website? Right. Is, is there clear, concise messaging? Is the offer and the price clearly communicated? Is it a good user experience? Is there bugs? Like, does the site load fast? Things that no one really thinks about. They're just like, oh, I tried Facebook ads. It didn't work. It's like you can get, like you said at the beginning of this, of this call, it's like you can get tons of impressions and get tons of traffic, but it, it doesn't convert. Yeah. It's meaningless. Yeah. We know how it is in modern days with Facebook ads. Everyone's getting oh, yeah. iOS fa- 16 now. And paid ads is a worthy goal to be successful at because the difference between often, not always, like I've had clients, as you say, that basically just do affiliates and referrals and they've got million dollar businesses that happens, but they still have to split test and drive a ton of traffic. And they, and even they wish they could figure out the paid ad games because typically what separates a small business, a local business, like a mom and pop shop from a nationwide or international brand is the ability to pay to build the customer base, pay money, access, and put a message in front of people, which again, it's really tough to do if with the message you're saying is Baskin and Robbins, right? <laughs> Geico, Geico's a great example. They've done the Geico 15 minutes can save you 15% on car insurance. That's been their offer forever. And that has worked so well for them because they figured out it's the best, lowest hanging fruit. What I mean is that if you've got a car, like Geico has life insurance, business insurance, they've got all that. But why are they talking about car insurance? Well, because they know that you've got a car, you probably have a job, right? You've got it. Like a car costs money. A car is a luxury. If you're a student and you're just learning and living like on a fixed income per year, trying to live within that means, it can be really tough to make a car work. But if you're generating an income, if you, right, like 15 minutes can save you 15% on car insurance. You look, that message has been the same message they've used and they've had clowns say it. They've had talking dogs say it. They've had planes <laughs> flying over cities with a banner with the flag behind the thing. I remember in San Diego, I'd see them at the beach. I'm like, this is wild. And it's because they figured out that was their free ice cream. 15 minutes can save you 15% on car insurance. That was the offer where they could figure out on average, we pay this much money to get this many people to hear this message. And that turns into this many sales. And sometimes the loss leader, meaning that it doesn't like, it's like a printer or a video game. They might not even make money. They might lose money to get you to buy the game the gaming console or to get you to buy the printer, but they make money by month three when you have to buy new ink, right? Or when you're buying the next games and that. So it's about knowing the the mechanics, the financial mechanics, the arithmetic of your business. And part of what you're talking about is the theory of constraints, bottleneck, that if you 
say, say your marketing and sales are working great, right? Marketing and sales are just crushing it. But you're doing an agency type service and the team you have can only really service five clients well until they start dropping the ball. Doing more marketing and sales is not going to fix anything. It's going to make problems worse. And the problem is most business owners just do what they know to do harder. And so that's again, right? Where it's, where's the bottleneck? Now we're not talking about the whole business as a whole. You're just talking about the power of doing that just to help. Cause a lot of people aren't even just gen, like they're just struggling to generate leads and sales. And just on that, that one aspect alone, testing different messages, showing, and I even prices. I remember I had this question when I had my martial arts school. Somebody told me they try a different price. I'm like, but what if they don't like it? He's like, then just ask the first next 10 people. And if you don't like it, if it's not working, then go back to what you're doing. Like you can always go back to what you've always been doing. Right? But if you start to figure out that people will pay the same, well, people as, as many people will buy, but they're willing. Like I remember one client, we did a test. It was a one pay of 37 bucks. And I think we got up to three pay of 37 bucks. Same product, same offer, same program. It was like a 90 day thing. Um, and a three pay conversion rate was the exact same. Conversion rate was the exact, just as many people bought, but instead of just charging a one time $37 fee, we got a three, we three X sales. You couldn't do that if you weren't testing. So right. you said the beginning is to test your message, yeah. your offer and your user experience. Is that typically where you start? Yeah, well, the real beginning is looking at your data. So we don't just go in and just blindly test things and guess. I think that's where a lot of people go wrong. And a lot of people mm. ask me, because we do this as a service for e-commerce brands and info products. They're like, Mason, well, can I just run my own tests? I'm like, yeah, you can. But we have a formula that helps us determine what to test and why. So there's a few things. We look at Google Analytics data. So we look at, Where's the traffic flowing to? Like, I'll give you an example. I can look at, okay, traffic flows to the homepage on e-commerce brand, but from there, what are they clicking to next? Okay, let's say 5% of users are clicking to the contact us page. Cool, I understand from a customer, you know, a customer service experience, you need that, but we can put that stuff in the footer. Let's replace that contact us link with a direct link to their best-selling product. Now the traffic, instead of flowing to all these random pages, is flowing from, you know, major, most of the traffic's starting the homepage. Mm-hmm. And now we're flowing them more to the best-selling product. That's just one example of a test. The next thing that we look at is heat maps. So we can see, okay, which buttons are getting the most engaged with, which ones are actually not getting the most engagement, and where do users naturally drop off as they're scrolling down through the content. So what I find is there's something called the average fold, which is the very top of any funnel. You don't have to scroll on your phone or desktop to see below the average fold or you, sorry, that's above the average fold. What I find is like a lot of people don't understand that you need your critical, what I call critical conversion assets above that average fold. So your things like crystal clear headline, your initial call to action button, some sort of social proof, like a testimonial, and usually imagery. If we're talking e-commerce, like a homepage, usually imagery or something of the product. So we look at heat maps, right? That tells us, and this, this is another huge thing I find is like people will have on their landing page testimonials, but they're at the very bottom of the page or an FAQ, which an FAQ can also be a huge conversion asset. By conversion mm-hmm. asset, I mean anything on your page that is going to increase your conversion rate. 
and you look at your heat maps and you see, okay, only 15% of my people, like of people that visit my landing page are seeing my testimonials when that's a massive conversion asset. Okay. Let's test just simply moving that further up the funnel because we can see looking at the heat maps that, you know, 90% of users see the top of funnel. Okay. Right. Let's run that test. Right. So we look at heat maps. And then another thing we also do, especially for the messaging is we just, we just hit up our clients. We say, Hey, send this to your email list. Very simple Google survey. Okay. The Google survey says, Hey customers, it's more specifically your buyers, right? Hey clients, right. send this to your buyer email list. And we build out this survey for them and we ask simple questions. What made you buy from us instead of our competitors? Okay. What made you decide to buy this product? And you know, what are your goals and it, like, what are you looking forward to get out of this product? If it's a fitness product, for example, like, okay, you're looking to lose weight, to get in shape. Like we're, we're really trying to identify those common terms that they use when they're responding to this survey. And then we just take it straight from their mouth and put it in the headline. So if we see in like a fitness brand, for example, a lot of people are saying, well, I'm buying this product to lose weight, to lose weight, lose weight, lose weight, lose weight. I want to lose weight or I want to look good. Let's say everyone's saying, I want to look good. Okay. Very common word or phrase that our customers are using. We're going to test that in our headline, right? Because right. they're telling us, they're literally telling us we take it straight from our customers. And then the fourth thing, which I feel like a lot of people overlook is we look at top competitors in the space of our clients. So if I have a client that sells like cookware, for example, okay, who else is selling cookware and making a killing? And usually big, big brands, I've found like eight and nine figure brands are investing in some sort of conversion rate optimization or split testing. Right. So sometimes I'll get test ideas from bigger brands. Yeah. Okay. Well, a good idea that if you can see who's doing paid ads, if you can look at a tool and find competitors that are doing paid ads and have been doing paid ads for a while, they're mm -hmm. typically only able to do that if they're making money. And then you can use tools like archive.org and look at the history of changes on their site to figure out what improvements they've been doing. I love, yeah, the, what you're talking about is people need to listen to this a couple of times. There's some real gold being dropped in this, in this call. Um, yeah, because you can spend all that money to figure it out or go back. And one of the things you talked about, even moving up testimonials, I actually just saw a video by Ezra Firestone. He's got the most successful Shopify store, basically in the history of Shopify. And one of the things he likes doing is he calls it the buy box. This is for e-commerce. He puts the testimonial right in, like the headline of the buy box yeah. is the testimonial. It's just a, it's a test. It's just like the headline from the testimony. It's that, it's just that boom. And then the description and then the button, you know, he, yeah, I think there's, yeah. I love Ezra. I love Ezra. He split tests. He also does split tests. I love his right. software too. One click upsell for anyone listening that is an e-commerce brand. I love one click, one click upsell rather than any of the other post-purchase upsell apps. Cause you can actually split test the offers in oh. which not a lot of post-purchase upsell apps allow you to split test like price point and offers. Right. So it's a whole separate conversation, but like I started diving even deeper into that. And like now I'm split testing the front end of a store. I started split testing people's back end upsells and started increase, increasing people's average order value like 15, 20 percent. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so where do people start? Because some people watching this are advanced and just the stuff that we've said, they're like, man, I need to test the buy box, put some testimonies up there. I need to, right? Like they've already gotten some ideas. I need to look at my competitors. They, they, they're, they're, 
a little more advanced with this or intermediate and they're going to run with that. But what about some of the newbies where they're like, like, how do I even just, where do I start? I think you hinted at some of it looking at the data. I really like talking about looking at where, what's the traffic flow. And yeah. if a lot of people are going to contact us, you know, can we redirect that to the sales page? Mm-hmm. Where, yeah. where do new people start? Yeah, that's a great question. So for me, like my thought process, if I'm like, okay, I want to set up a test. Number one, I, I use Google Optimize as free split testing software. There's other options out there like VW. I think there's AB Tasty or something. They're quite expensive. So Google Optimize is free. That's what I recommend. Plug straight into Google Analytics. The first thing I do when I'm trying to determine what to test is I go, I go into Google Analytics behavior top landing page. Okay, which page is getting the most traffic? Because that's going to be the highest leverage for you. Okay, let's say it's the the sales page for your best selling product. Okay, so now I've got that in my mind. Now what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pull up a heat map software like Hotjar, which is also free, but I recommend the paid version because you get more data. Mm-hmm. And I take that that landing page that gets the most traffic. I plug that into Hotjar because I want to see not only which page is giving the most traffic, but where on that specific page are people interacting with. Where are they dropping off from that page? Like I said, with the scroll map analysis, we can see, okay, people start to drop off as they scroll down here, or you can quickly identify there's a massive drop off here. Okay, there needs some work here. So to simplify it for someone that's just starting, number one, identify which page gets the most traffic, then look at heat maps and see, okay, are people clicking on things that don't need to be there? I'll give you a very simple example. I see very common in e-commerce is, People will want to have their shipping information on a product page, but they'll have it as an outbound link that clicking that shipping info link takes them to the user to a whole separate page, which there goes your conversion right there because you're giving them a reason to leave the page. You want to give them all the information they need in order to make a buying decision on that specific sales page or product page. So that's why I love looking at heat maps because like, okay, no, this page gets the most traffic. But I can quickly see why are people clicking on this element? Sometimes you'll you'll quickly find like there's buttons that people are clicking that don't work. Or they'll be clicking on an image that looks like a button. That's a common one I see too. Yep. So it's like clearly users are confused. You can get even deeper and watch actual user recordings and watch people in real time click around your website and see where they're dropping off and getting and getting pissed. Here's a quick like ninja hack for for a pot jar if you guys are familiar. You can sort by something called rage clicks, which means someone's just getting pissed off, clicking their mouse all over the place, and they can't figure out where to go next in the buying journey. Is that what they call it? Yeah, rage click. click. Rage, rage clicks. clicks. I love it. It's that. always the best to look at, man, because it'll quickly help you identify like, okay, there's a bug here or people are just like getting stuck here. It's so funny. I that. love that. Rage click. <laughs> it just is a good visual, mental visual. Yeah. So what habits do you think are good for people in terms of split testing? Like, do I need to split test button colors? Do I need like, is there a hierarchy of things? How many visits do I need to run a proper split test? So I really think it depends where your business is at, right? Because with clients that I work with, they have to have a a proven to convert product. Like they're already actively making sales online, right? If if you're pushing a ton of traffic, you haven't even made your first online sale, something's fundamentally wrong. Could be your offer, your price point, or the ad creative, the targeting. 
Like those are like your business fundamentals that you need to get your customer avatar locked in. You need to know who you're talking to and what problem you're solving for them. What are you selling? What's your offer? Is it competitive in the marketplace? Those fundamentals need to be laid down. Once that's done, you can, you can run headline is of course a massive split test. Everything that's like the highest leverage tests are going to be everything that's above the average fold. So what I mean by that is like the very top of your landing page or sales funnel, very top of your product page. If you're like an e-commerce Shopify store, because that's where most of your users are going to see that's your moneymaker. So make sure that your add to car button, for example, is above that average fold, all your imagery is there, your testimonials, your price, everything's clearly communicated. To answer your question, simple, low hanging fruits is like, of course, headlines, button color, button text. I, I gave you an example of like changing shop now, or sorry, we had an e-commerce brand where their homepage, their call to action said buy now. But if you put yourself in the mind of a user, if I'm someone who's never heard of this brand before, right? I just clicked on a Facebook ad. I click on this Facebook ad. I come to this, this Shopify homepage, e-commerce homepage. And I see a button that says buy now. It like, what am I buying? I don't even know. It's like my first introduction to the brand. Yeah, I just saw an ad, but like, what am I getting? <laughs> or even returning traffic. So I tested changing buy now, the call to action button text to say shop now, which is a little more loosey goosey. Like, hey, just browse the collection, browse the product, blah, blah, blah. That gave them, I think it was a 20% increase in conversion rate or sorry, 15% changing mm -hmm. the word. So Yes, headlines, your, your button text, your button color. But you, like I said previously, you need to make sure that your fundamentals are there. Like, who's your customer avatar? What's your offer? And what's the result that you're really promising by selling them your product? Like, what problem are you solving? Right. That's a really good. That's a really good. Make sure your target, your avatar, which is another way of saying stereotype, your stereotypical customer. And this, right. and this, politically correct world we live in, something that's hard to get around is that in marketing and sales, you typically are, are creating products and services to serve a specific stereotype of person with a mm -hmm. specific problem. Problems are market, not demographics and not stereotypes. So first it's problem I solve, and then it's the type of the stereotypical person I want to help doing this soccer moms with three kids that you know soccer stay-at-home moms versus the working mom with three like there's just these stereotypes so yeah the avatar the result and the offer i feel like that's a really good make sure those three in line and then work on your headline above the fold so the stuff that loads first and you know then you can get into things like button color and text that's, that's really good that's really really good spot to go um hot jar is such a good tool Free, free tool. We talked about a couple of free tools, Google Optimize, Hotjar. These are, are essential tools in any person's trying to optimize their pages. It's essential tools. And luckily, they both are free. You can get paid versions, but those are great tools to start with. Um, you mentioned surveying your buyers. I think that's incredibly valuable. You talked about asking them just point blank. Why are you buying from us? What was the result you're looking for? right? Uh, why did you buy from us? Why did you buy this? What's the result you're looking for? Try putting that in your headline, looking at top competitors. It's mm -hmm. all really good. Looking at your Google analytics data. Mm -hmm. And he also talked before one funnel, one change per month. But that was mm -hmm. something that your other buddy was doing that this isn't an overnight get rich quick scheme. This is kind of like Kaizen constant yeah. improvement. Now, how many conversions? 
Is there a rule of thumb for how many conversions you need to have before you can determine, or you just let Google optimize, tell us? Yeah, it's a great question. So what we found, because I've literally ran like a thousand plus of these split tests. And what we found is, so there's something called statistical significance. And the best way for me to describe it, because it's still like, I hated math when I was in high school, but essentially is if, if you run a test, right? And 50% of your traffic sees one version of your website and the other 50% of traffic sees a different version. Let's say you see an increase in conversion rate with a new version, right? Well, theoretically, it could be just due to random chance. Maybe right. traffic behaves different on some day. For whatever reason, maybe your variation B converted higher for due to random chance, right? So we like to actually, we take our numbers from the test results in Google Analytics. We plug it into statistical significance calculator, which basically reassures us that, hey, this increase in conversion rate is a direct result of the thing we tested and not just due to random chance. Right. So that's, that's the first thing. I, I was going to say something else on that. I completely forget what I was going to say. But statistical significance is, is super important. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. Because we didn't know this. We didn't know this because when we first started offering this as a service, we're like, oh, we see an increase in conversion rate. But it wasn't statistically significant. We had to learn this. To answer your first question, we like to get at least 100 transactions per variation. So if we have the original version of the website and then like a new variant we're testing, 100 transactions each. And then we run it through a statistical significance calculator to make sure that this change we made is directly related to the increase in conversion rates, not due to random chance, traffic conditions changing this, that, third. So 100 conversions per, mm -hmm. per version. Now, if your other version really sucks, you might not get 100 conversions on it. Right. <laughs> right. right. But if you are, once you said, once you have established, it's called a control. Once you've established a control, which means it's working, then obviously it's working. And now you want to try and get to 100 each and... And that's a good place to start. Now, this is a personal interest question. I, I've asked a couple people this. I want to know your input. I know we're on the top of the hour, so I want to be respectful of your time. But one thing I did want to ask, is there a difference between selling info products and e-commerce products? Or do you sell info products as if they were e-commerce products? What's your experience in that? Mm -mm. Or your input? Like, what's my take on, like, info versus e-com? Yeah, I've had some people say that you have to treat your info products just like an e-commerce product whether it's page present that yeah. I've had other people be say, no, for an info product, you've got to do a different, you got to do four video series, all this stuff. I think that it might depend, but I just want to know what your thoughts are. I think it just comes down to what we talked about earlier, where it's like, what's the result you're providing? So for an info product, it gets a little bit more vague sometimes. Like the delivery can look in like so many different ways. It might just be a digital access to a course, right? Or it could be digital access to a course, plus you get weekly coaching calls, plus you get this like full-time support agent, blah, 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 blah. So to answer your question, for me, e-com, it's physical, it's tangible. You're paying money for something that's physical and tangible you can hold in your hand. For info product, which, which the physical thing then gives you the result, right? If it's like I'm buying deodorant, the result of that product is I don't have sweaty armpits, right? But for an info product, Usually the result at first, it doesn't seem as tangible as been my experience because the mm -hmm. delivery is not as straightforward for someone buying. It's like I buy an info product. I don't get something shipped that I hold in my hand. So right. like I can't hold it. 
but there's still a result of that product that I achieved. So the delivery looks different. So I do look at them different, man. I, th- I mean, both of them are just vehicles to, to deliver value to a customer, right? But the delivery for an info product can be more creative, I feel like. Like for e-com too, but e-com, it's like a physical thing. You're buying it. Info product. Right. You got like a digital course, coaching calls, like this, that, and the third. Masterminds. There's so many different forms of delivery. Right, right. Okay. Fair enough. Test it. <laughs> no, that's the, yeah, test exactly. It. Which is a bit, and that's one like disclaimer you should add to this, that foot testing has a place and it's incredibly valuable, but generally speaking, you always need to put your best foot forward. So it's not like you throw a bunch of junk up. And then I've heard this, you know, you throw a bunch of stuff on the wall and you see what sticks. That's true. But unless you have an endless budget and an infinite amount of time, you still need to put and train your instincts and your gut and your intuition to make sure that you're you're working hard to not just throw junk out into their marketplace mm-hmm. you know that you're constantly like trying to push the envelope for what you think the best is and that you're always putting your best foot forward i think that's a really important one and one other thing we haven't mentioned is as much as, and you kind of touched on it, talking about surveying buyers, as good as it is to have heat maps and data and surveys, there really is also a place for customer interviews and focus groups. Now, you have to take that with a grain of salt because people will tell you what they think you want to hear. Right. Right. But, you know, so one of the best is to run your experiment and observe how they actually behave. But I know myself, you can spend a lot of money driving traffic to web pages, looking at heat maps, scratching your head. Whereas if you just got on the phone with five, 10 people and asked them while they were browsing through the site, you can learn a lot of data on that too. So that's a tool to put a feather, feather to put in your cap as another tool, so to speak. But the value of split testing cannot be denied. It is incredibly impactful. And, you know, often you can just be one test away from something huge. It, you know, that's really true. I, I had a, a friend, uh, he's actually been on our show before. He was talking about a campaign he had that was a total flop. And almost like you said, changing one word. Now for him, it was targeting his niche in the headline, like customizing the offer to clearly express, express that it's specifically for this type of person. And once he did that, he said it was like printing money. Like it just, the campaign took off. Whereas before they didn't make money till the second sale. And he was saying that, but it was that test that they did when, and they, they had a few different avatars, but once he figured that avatar was like the 80, 20, and then they customized the whole page, it just took off like lightning. Mm. And so that's, again, he was one test away instead of kind of limping along, making money. Cause he's got a backend offer. You know, mm. he was now able to actually scale by making money on the first sale, which is mm. kind of the Holy grail of everything. So. Mason, this has been a great interview. I think people probably want to listen to it more than once for sure. Is there anything I didn't ask you that I should have asked you, though? No, I think you covered everything, man. Exactly. We went over it all. Split testing, my story, and meeting a dude on Instagram. <laughs> okay. And if people want to learn more, Mason does have a free course on split testing at splittestexpert.com. The link will be in the show notes in that, but most people just listen to this via audio. So definitely go check that out. Free course. Learn what you can. Um, and I think at the end of the day, though, it's about your offer, you know, communicating the result you deliver to people in a believable way 
and having that specific person that you're trying to help. If you're for everybody, you're for nobody. When we buy shoes, we don't buy a shoe. You buy a running shoe, a weightlifting shoe, a walking shoe, a hiking shoe, a swim shoe. So, you know, you can build multiple pages. I, I, I'm going to say one more thing. I had a client before. He had a moving company in my hometown. And when I started working with him, one of the things I learned was he actually had two moving companies. He had one, which was Frank the Mover, which was the most expensive moving company in the city. And they had branded trucks and branded shirts and letterheads and all that. And then they had Move for Less, which was the cheapest moving company in the city. And it was the same team. They just wore white shirts, had a white van. They had a different receptionist. But it was the same guys that show up to move your stuff. They're just wearing the non-branded truck. You know, they don't, the service, it's not that you got the same quality. Let me be clear. It's not that you got the same quality service. My point is that he just bought a different phone number and gave a different brand look and feel and a different level of service, but he was able to serve the high-end market and the low-end market collectively. And so that's the point in that you can, a domain name is like 10 bucks, right? So some people are afraid to niche down, just pay the 10 bucks and just, you know, have a custom site for that custom avatar. So anyways, all right, Mason, thank you so much for joining us. My friend it has been an honor and a pleasure. I got a couple of pages of notes. I know I got to go. I've, I've been running hot jar. I'm going to go look. For, I didn't know about rage clicks, so I'm going to go look that up. So that's my to do from clicks. this. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Just a mental visual too. So, um, Anyways, thank you so much, my friend. It's been an honor, a pleasure, and hopefully we'll have you back sometime soon. Thank you for having me. Blessed.